You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. The Mets finally did it. They won a series. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays, the best team in baseball, taking two of three. And Tyler McGill was great to get that last victory. I'll discuss his start and how the Mets were able to pull it out in the first segment. Second segment, got to give some credit to Pete Alonzo. We played sick throughout this entire series and was great putting the team on his back. I'll discuss the leadership that he showed uh, in New York. And then, close things out, we'll go through a little bit of some of the uh, roster discussion as it relates to Mark Vientos not playing in this game and um, how playing time will be dispersed over the coming days and weeks. I'll talk about Gary Sanchez potentially being added to this roster soon. And I will also preview uh, the upcoming series against the Cleveland Gardens. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Fickelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, Fickelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnMLB, and when you enter the promo code LockedOnMLB, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Now, what a series for the New York Mets, one that could have turned their season around. A lot of storylines may come out of this series. You have Mark Vientos being promoted and playing that big role. You have Pete Alonso playing sick and carrying the team. I'm going to discuss that in the next segment because his leadership really showed in this one as the Mets just had to stop the bleeding and without him getting hot, it might not have ever happened. They need Pete Alonso to be that guy and it was massive. But really, they got good starting pitching in these last two games. And it's just that simple because you know what the Mets did today? They kind of won a little bit ugly. You know, if the Mets lose this game, everyone's talking about you know, having Tommy Pham and Daniel Vogel back in the lineup but not playing Mark Vientos, and that's where all of the focus would have gone. And I do want to dive into that a little bit later as well. But what the Mets just did is the baseball luck kind of turned in their favor, where they maybe didn't have their best day, where the lineup didn't always come through. And they won. And why did they win? They got good starting pitching. The, the starting pit, pitching is paramount. It is the reason that they've been in this hole this season. As much as you want to look at the games where the team doesn't hit, when you get that starting pitching, you can flush a bad offensive performance because three runs is enough to win baseball games still. And the bullpen was great as well. But Tyler McGill deserves all the credit. As much as I can point at the walks, at the... Uh, expected ERA, the expected FIP, all of these things, how hard people are hitting the ball off of any metric or analytic you want to give me on Tyler McGill. You know what he has, and he's had it since his debut, and maybe I've lost track of it and, and haven't acknowledged it enough. He has guts. He has guts. He attacks. And he wasn't scared of that Rays team. 
Okay? He was not looking at that lineup with all the firepower they have, all the success they've had this season, and pitching with fear. And it led to his best start of the season and, you know, a, a huge serious victory for this team. First inning, he immediately falls in a hole. Gives up a double and a single. Runners at the corners. He gets an out, and then he gets a big double play ball and escapes. And look, that double play ball, was it on a three? Oh, no, it was the second pitch of the, of the uh, at-bat. But it was hard hit, okay? It was tailor-made. Um, and it's one of those things. That ball finds a hole, everything changes. But the baseball god smiled on the Mets throughout this game. And that's what you need is the momentum to shift in your direction and then little things can change. There was a double play late. It was after McGill was out where Wander Franco comes in, um, pinch hit, gets into the game, gets a knock immediately, and is going to steal second base with one out. Wardo Escobar is going to cover, and a ball is ripped right back up the middle right to him. And he could just step on the bag to beat the runner that was on his way there to him. Throw to first base, you got to have anything. It's little things like that that was finally going the Mets' way. But for McGill, he gives up that run early. He's given up a run in the first inning in almost every single one of his starts this year, but he settled in. The Mets got a run right back, so they evened up the score. Francisco Lindor with a walk. Jeff McNeil uh, gets a hit. Lindor was already on second base from a wild pitch. He got to third. Randy Arozarena didn't really know what to do, didn't know what to do with the baseball, and Jeff McNeil took advantage, grabbed second base, then left first base open. Of course, they're going to put Pete Alonzo on in that spot to pitch around him. Brett Beatty comes up, grounds out. The Mets maybe got a little bit lucky again, okay, that the Rays' first baseman didn't try to turn two there. But, hey, you take it however you can get it. Tommy Pham strikes out. That would have been a talking point. Didn't end up being one because the Mets win the ball game. So there you go. You get through that first inning even. And then... He settles in. McGill, 1-2-3 in the second. Third inning, works around an air, gets a double play ball to erase it, so he retires the side in order in those uh, well, three innings in a row because he does it again in the fourth. Fifth inning comes around. What does he do? Tires the side in order again. So two times through the lineup, outside of that first inning, we ran into a little bit of trouble. Tyler McGill really, really settled in. Okay, And the Mets also got him a run in the fourth because Pete Alonso Hit his 16th home run. He's leading the majors again. Uh, third home run in as many days. Big, big series from him. Gives the Mets a lead. McGill cost it up in uh, the sixth inning, but at least he got them that sixth inning. He gives up a home run, but to, to Josh Lowe, walks a batter, gives up a, another hit, and then a back pick by Michael Perez. Again, Things working the Mets' way. Uh, a mistake on the Rays' end. Gets the final out of the inning. Gets McGill into the dugout. And he gets to celebrate a really good start. And then the bottom half, the Mets get a run right back. And it wasn't even a, a run they put together with incredible offense. Jeff McNeil gets a hit. Pete Alonso flies out. Brett Beatty finds a hole in the infield. Gets a hit. McNeil goes to third. And then Tommy Pham... In a play where if the Rays are playing their third baseman in a little bit, there might have been a play at the plate with Jeff McNeil. Ground ball with the third baseman back on Pham allows not only McNeil to score, but Pham to get on first base. And he's smiling ear to ear because he knows he got away with one. And you know what? The Mets will take it. So that's what I'm saying. 
sometimes the momentum just has to shift into your direction. And that's what the Mets were able to do by having that walk-off victory the night before. It's crazy to say, with all the things I just mentioned, that the Mets get swept if they don't win that other game, and this one wouldn't have gone their way. But you also have the psychological toll of losing bad on the Rays and maybe allowed them to make more mistakes in this one. So it all begins with the starting pitching. You're not in the game on Saturday with not Sanga, and you don't win this one without McGill. Picks up his fifth win of the season, by the way. I don't even have to look to tell you that is the the you know, highest win total of any Mets starter. I guess I would have to look at one guy, which is Kodai Senga. Uh, did he pick up? Well, he didn't win yesterday. So I think he's at four. Uh, Senga, four and two. Yeah. So, yeah, McGill is your win leader on this Mets team right now, um, and rightfully so. They needed every ounce of what he gave them. And moving forward, he has solidified a spot in that rotation without a shadow of a doubt for pretty long time. Uh, unless Carlos Carrasco suddenly comes back and is brilliant um, and everyone else is, is firing on all cylinders with you know Scherzer and, and Verlander and Senga. And when Quintana comes back, you pull McGill. Um, he, he's got this spot locked up, and that could be a long time before we see Quintana anyway. And the way this usually works, somebody else will go down before then. So... Uh, McGill at this point, gutsy performance. Hopefully he keeps this up because uh, the Mets really can use every bit uh, of the quality starts that they get right now. Um, two in a row, great feat for this team. But Pete Alonso still should be uh, one of the overriding stories from this series, playing sick and playing unbelievable. We'll discuss him in just a minute before we do today's episode. brought to you by So Rare. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with official licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, SoRare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, and selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards such as so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com. The Drafter team of free player cards set your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that is SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today. The Mets play the Guardians Friday night, 7-10 Eastern. Catch every pitch of the Mets' hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Pete Alonzo had an unbelievable series. Homer in each game, had the walk-off homer in Game 2, and a home run that gave the Mets the lead in Game 3. Was not the game-winning run, but without it, the Mets, of course, aren't able to pull out this series. And he's suddenly locked in again. And what we know about this Mets team since Pete Alonso came up in 2019, when he's rolling, the team is rolling. He is the biggest X factor in the starting lineup because of his ability to leave the yard at any time and because of the fear that he imposes on other teams. And to see him come up in, in, in a series where 
Uh, I don't want to say everything was on the line because it's May, but this season felt like it was in peril because they just could not win a series. And when they failed to take that one against the Nationals, you're just like, what's going to give here? And you look at the other side and you're facing the Rays who are 20 games over and you're just hopeless. And Pete Alonso was not. Pete Alonso fought tooth and nail to stay on the field despite being sick. And Homer's in the first game. Has you know, not the best game throughout on uh, you know the second game. And then is afforded an opportunity because the rookies come through and they extend the game for him. And in extra innings, he's a monster and he does it again and walks it off. And then you get another home run in this game. And he still is playing consistent first base. He is one of the leaders on this team, but I think when it just comes to being the heartbeat of a franchise, that's what this guy has been. And I know some people want to be critical of him when he'll drop an F-bomb on live TV. That's Pete Alonso. He's being his authentic self, and no one should ever be criticized for being their authentic self. Pete Alonso is sick. He is just... You know, grinding through an extra innings game with a sinus infection. And he hit this massive home run. And he looks at the the Mets fans that are still in the ballpark and is just thanking them for sticking it out and, and supporting the team. And we need you to keep coming out. And he looks up at them and for that moment says, let's effing go Mets. And I'll tell you what, if you're sitting in the crowd, you love that energy from Pete Alonso. And that's a moment that's going to bring you back to the ballpark. He is everything that you would want from a franchise superstar. Everything. And these are those kind of moments where a, a leader can assert themselves and push their team forward. And it's beyond just winning one game with a walk-off. It's winning a series. It's letting that go into the next series and winning that one. And it's, you know, the story you tell back when you're in July. How did we turn around? You remember that series against the best team in baseball where Pete refused to come out of the lineup with a, a sinus infection and hit a home run in each game and hit a walk-off and carried us and then continued throughout the rest of the month hitting home runs and carrying us to another stretch? That's the type of player Pete Alonso is. And it's funny because there's so many narratives throughout a 162-game season throughout a single week of a baseball season. Or even a single day. Because, again, going into the game, the biggest talking point was why isn't Mark Fiantos in the lineup? And playing the hot hand, he had the big home run. Why wasn't he out there? Funny thing is, if, after a walk-off home run, day game after night game, guy that's still sick, if Buck Showalter made the decision to put Mark Fiantos at first base, get him into the lineup, Maybe nobody has any complaints at the starting lineup. And does Mark Fiantos homer in this game? There's a chance he does. But Pete Alonso did it. And Pete Alonso is an everyday player. And so the, these are the things that a manager has to, to weigh. There's a lot of decisions he's got to make. He's got to look at his starting lineup and look at each player on his roster and figure out who's going to plug in there. And he's got to say, all right, well, Pete's telling me that I can't take him out of the lineup, so he's in. Lindor's in there almost every day. Jeff McNeil, we're playing him in right today because Marte, a little banged up, but they're getting hit. 
Alvarez dinged up after a rough game, so he's not available to start. Michael Perez is behind the plate. And then you're you're, you're going around, and you, and you make your decision on Vogelback. You make your decision on Fam, And ultimately, Vientos is a guy that you decide to put on the bench for a game. And Mets fans freak out about it. And I'll tell you what. I didn't like it either. I wanted to see Mark Vientos out there. But I also don't think that if you were one of these fans who was applauding Buck Showalter and crediting him for 101 wins last season, that you can all of a sudden be Monday morning quarterback on every single decision he makes. I haven't loved the moves either. I would have liked to see Vientos in there instead of Vogelback, and Vogelback did not play well. Vientos probably could play better. But I'm going to give the Mets the benefit of the doubt that over time, this is going to work where Vientos will get his run. I'm going to explain how that can all kind of pan out for the Mets and where the roster is going with maybe a player like Gary Sanchez being added in this upcoming series. And we're going to preview that series as well. Before we get into it, though, this episode is brought to you by the most comfortable shorts out there, Bird Dogs. you got to try Bird Dogs. You've heard me talking about it on the show the last couple of days because I'm wearing them all the time now. I love my Bird Dogs. For one, they're comfortable. That's always a prerequisite. You want your shorts to be comfy. You don't want to feel like they're too tight and, and you got to change because you know, you're not able to lounge in the house and then that's not the case with bird dogs. But the look is better too. You're going to go out and you're going to look like you're wearing shorts that are supposed to be uncomfortable based on how good they look. And they're versatile. You can wear them on the golf course. You can wear them at the dinner. You can wear them to church. You can wear them at home. If you want to try bird dogs, Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB and use the promo code LockedOnMLB. You are going to get a free tumbler. It's a Yeti-style Bird Dogs tumbler with every order. Again, that is birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB. Roster and lineup construction, a big topic of debate today, and I did just kind of allude to my overall assessment of it in the last segment where as much as I want to criticize Buck Showalter, I am in wait-and-see mode because as much as you could say, oh, well, Brett Beatty wasn't in there against that one lefty, he has gotten starts against lefties, and I feel like he's at a point where he's starting about six of every seven games. If you tell me Brett Beatty has to have one day off a week, so other guys can play when you have to make sure that if you do have to go on a, and call a Tommy Pham up in the eighth inning, it's not the first time he has seen it at bat in two weeks. Okay? So if you have to make that move, if you have to sacrifice a day of playing time here and there for these guys to make it all work, you do what you can. Okay? Francisco Alvarez has gotten to a point where he's starting you know, three out of every four, I would say, right? Or, or, or something along those lines. He's playing a lot. Uh, so I feel like the same can happen with Mark Vientos. And here's what I think ultimately could play out. You got left field, third base, you got DH. You got five guys right now that are contending for playing time in those spots. Mark Hanna, Tommy Pham, Jeff McNeil technically sliding out there, but you know, those are the are the two and left. You got Beatty and Vientos at third. Vogel back at DH. Not to mention, you got Escobar, who could be a third, but now it feels like Escobar's more of a second baseman. 
Feels like he's third on the depth chart at third base now because they're going to try to steal some playing time for Vientos there. And Escobar is now your backup second baseman. So when Jeff McNeil slides in the outfield, that's where Escobar is going to go. And honestly, he's looked okay there. I'm a little bit nervous long-term about the defense at second, but for now it's worked out. So that that's how the roster is shaking out in that sense. But getting all these guys playing time, okay? Let's just say you have 21 opportunities over a week to start guys at those three positions. Brett Beatty grabs six of them. Okay, now you're at 15 left for four guys. Say Vientos grabs five of them. Ten left for those three guys. Fam gets two. And then you give four to Canna, four to Vogelback. There's a way that this roster can settle in. Everyone can get their playing time and it can work out. So I'm going to let the Mets try to make it all come together right now. And I also think that the Mets were giving Tommy Pham some time to see because Tim LaCastro is playing baseball again, where maybe if it wasn't working, they would have DFA'd him and, 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 and got rid of him and brought up LaCastro, and that's one less you know mouth to feed when it comes to at-bats, and he's just your speed defense guy, and Vientos gets more run. But again, I'm going to be patient here because let's just say Starling Marte goes on the IL tomorrow and they play defense again today. So I'd imagine he's fine. But theoretically, if that were to happen, you'd be killing yourself or kicking yourself if you had DFA'd fam. So let's just give the Mets a moment here. And let's let the manager that led them to 101 wins last year do his thing. I don't love it, but he's the one guy in the ship. And if you spend every single day pissed off at the lineup when it comes up, you're just kind of putting a self-fulfilling prophecy out there that these guys can't succeed and you're frustrating yourself when there's nothing you can really do about it. I hope that we will get to a point where it's Vientos, Alvarez, and Beatty in the lineup almost every day and those three guys can maybe hit off of each other like they did in the minor leagues and maybe that's, you know, six, seven, eight in your lineup or five, six, seven at some point. It'd be great. They're all rookies. They're all learning. They have a veteran manager that has his own ways about it. And this is how he has brought up rookies, easing them into playing time for 20 to 30 some odd years. I'm not going to sit here from my office and rip them for it. Now, when it comes to this weekend series, Mets Guardians, the Guardians have not been playing great baseball. This is an opportunity for the Mets to maybe build on this momentum And let's not get greedy and say they should sweep this series and close the week on a five-game winning streak, although that would be fantastic. Let's just see the Mets win another series. And then you win another series, and you win another series, and you get back into that routine from last year. And sooner or later, it's going to add up enough where the Mets, even if they're not competing in the NL East, where they're right in the thick of, if not leading that wildcard hunt. The the season is far from over, and I, I think this was a massive first step for this this squad to to get the victory, but also to get the monkey off their back more than anything. Um, they needed that. Now, you got Carlos Carrasco returning. Okay, so that is positive news. Um, going up against Cal Quantrill in game one. Quantrill, 3970 ERA this year. Um, he's a guy that could be an effect. He, very similar pitcher. He, he's like what Carrasco was for them in the past, right? Um, so it's interesting to see them match up. Game two, yeah, Tanner Beebe uh, versus Max Scherzer. Tanner's been amazing this year, young pitcher. So we'll see. He's got really nasty stuff. Uh, then you got Shane Bieber, Justin Verlander, a couple Cy Youngs cutting it up, going against each other. Really good pitching matchup. Uh, but you hope the Mets 
against three righties this weekend, so that'll be interesting to see uh, the decisions Buck makes. Let's see them try to build off this and then win another series. You feel great on Monday. Now, the last thing, the catching situation. Gary Sanchez has an option to get out of his contract with the Syracuse Mets and look for other opportunities. He's played pretty decent. Syracuse, he's hit a home run. He's got more upside than Michael Perez. That is for sure. The Mets catching situation as a whole is in an interesting position because Omar Narvaez is nearing uh, rehab. You have Tomas Nito, who apparently has figured out his eye issue, although they still are saying that might take some time. Andy Martino had a report on this, and basically the Mets have this weekend kind of to make this decision on Sanchez because whatever the deadline is on Friday, it extends into Saturday where if he's not up, I believe they said by midnight Saturday, they uh, could give him the opportunity to, to exercise his opt-out. So they have Friday as well. They have into Saturday, I guess. Bottom line, though, if you want to keep Gary Sanchez, you're going to call him up and you're going to DFM Michael Perez to do it. Um, and it gives you more upside. Then you'll have to see if the Mets get to a point where they go Nervaez, Sanchez, and Alvarez get set down. That's still a distinct possibility if Alvarez doesn't continue to play well uh, when he gets his opportunities. And then also you have Nito, who could eventually come back. So there's a lot of different variables here. Um, but injuries uh, tend to kind of work themselves out. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. In the meantime, the only guys who are viable are Alvarez, Perez, and Sanchez. And I imagine we're going to see an Alvarez-Gary Sanchez tandem in the not-too-distant future. So that's going to be all, though, for today's edition of Locked On Mets, this week on Locked On Mets. As always, thank you for listening. For all you everydayers, I'll be back on Monday, unless the Mets are so awesome on Friday, we decide to do a little more. I have to continue this winning streak and then winning walk-off fashion. I'm prone to put out an episode on a Saturday, so make sure you're following so you can know those episodes are going to hit. Uh, follow us on Twitter at LockedOnMets. You can follow me at Ryan.